Good evening, beer community. My name is Sarah Pletcher. I'm the Conference Operations Manager with Zephyr Conferences, and I am thrilled to bring you the last session of our Sell More Beer virtual conference. And we couldn't obviously be in person. We were supposed to be in uh, Richmond in February of 2021. We postponed that to September of 2021. We'll get you those dates soon. But we wanted to bring the community together to uh, have some uh, solid interaction as well as content because now more than ever, we want to help you sell more beer. So over to the right is your chat feature. Please chat with your fellow attendees. Tell us what beer you're drinking because at this point, it is definitely happy hour in all three uh, tri uh, time zones as far as I'm concerned. And uh, let us know where you're from, uh, what you're doing in terms of merchandising and marketing. And if you have a question for Mark down at the bottom in the ask a question box, and I will come back on at the end and go through those with him. And for now, our last session, Mark Colburn, he has, uh, when we did a search uh, in how to sell more beer, Mark is the only book we could find that really talked about beer marketing and brewery marketing. And so, Mark, thank you so much for being with us today. Certainly. Awesome. All right. I'm going to pass it off and uh, have fun. Thank you, Sarah. Hello, everyone. Uh, I've been in the industry for over 25 years, and I've learned that there really is no holy grail when it comes to selling more beer uh, or any alcoholic beverage. Uh, with a failure rate hovering around 90%, success really depends on a number of variables, and those include product quality, hard work, a marketing strategy, passion, tenacity, creativity, and luck. What I can offer you though are three pillars that just might get you a little closer to that holy grail. And I call these three pillars marketing, merchandising, and motivation, or the three M's. So let's get into those. What is marketing? Well, marketing is about satisfying wants and needs through products and services. Our job is to satisfy those needs with consistent thirst quenching satisfaction. That's what consumers look for in brands. Marketing consistently delivers on those expectations. Heck, that's why we brand. Marketing also includes the definition of the target market. You want to know as much as possible about the people, the target audience that you're marketing and selling to. You want to profile them. And uh, if you'd like more information on that, check out my podcast. I think it shows two and three where I profile uh, and create this person named Austin so you can really sort of see who the craft beer drinker is. Marketing also includes, and I bet you've heard about this before, is the marketing mix or the four P's, commonly known as product, price, place, and promotion. Marketing includes what I call the KDA or key differentiating advantage. Now, uh, that is a, a compelling uniqueness about your product, and it's something that you can sort of use as a, a chink in your competitor's armor. I'll give you a little example. I was a brand manager for a, a regional company called Honey Hill Farms. And we introduced a super premium frozen yogurt that went head to head with Haagen-Dazs and Ben and & Jerry's in the very competitive pint category. And we didn't have a KDA and I was working, and it must've been close to midnight in my office. And I had a bunch of empty competitive pint containers and I was just doing the math, trying to figure out 
what might be our KDA? And I, I, I hit on it. And what I realized was our product was half the calories and a third of the fat and cholesterol of Haagen-Dazs. So that really became our KDA mantra and really helped the brand. So I'm sure you've heard about uh, marketing story also. Uh, under the marketing umbrella, you certainly want to have a distinctive and inviting marketing story. So let's get into that. Here's an example of a marketing story that I worked up with um, for a Northern California craft brewer. And it really starts out, it kind of, it romances the brand. It talks about the people that, that started the company, why they did. And then it goes right on into the fantastic craft beers that they, they produce. And uh, as you can see at the bottom there, it's got the rate beer ratings, which are extremely high. And we use this in supermarkets. So your marketing story, uh, you, you want the story to beckon the prospect to what I call the brand porch. and uh, that invites them in while offering brand education, which hopefully will in turn lead to brand loyalty. The marketing story really think of it as something that channels consumer curiosity towards your brand. So I want to just take a quick second uh, on distribution or the upside down P as I call it a uh, place and I could probably spend an hour on this and I know Sarah would cut me off. So uh, I just want to quickly say that on distribution, after product formulation, this is your next most important decision to make. And my recommendation to many companies, small, medium, even some larger ones, is to adopt what I call a castle keep strategy. That's a regionalized strategy whereby you uh, are in a territory where you're on and off premise can really stay on top of all your accounts. You don't want to overextend. And more information on my Castle Keep strategy is in my podcast, The Shine Runner Show, or in my book. I also included three slides, bonus slides, at the end of the presentation for you to go ahead and get full definition of the Castle Keep strategy. So one of my favorite topics now uh, within the marketing mix is promotion. And under promotion includes experiential events. So experiential events, I in the weekend, special events, I've probably set up, executed, managed, I figure over 600. And I've seen a significant shift in large companies, large consumer packaged goods and service companies shifting their marketing budgets out of TV out of radio, out of home, and print into experiential events. And to support that, I want you to go back in time. I want you to rerun or to, to run the videotape in your mind 15 years ago of the, your favorite craft beer or art and wine festival that you used to go to down Broadway Street. And as you walk down that street, try to remember the booths that you saw. Who did you see at that show 15 years ago? To your left, a soap company. To your right, a glass blower, uh, a, a small nut entrepreneur. <laughs> You're selling a, a line of nuts. Um, newspaper subscriptions for sale, and uh, your artists and, thing, and craft people. Now jump ahead to that same show when when you could go to these prior to COVID, but. Think about the, the companies that are there now. 
you'll walk down that same street and you'll see Ford, you'll see Safeway, Wells Fargo, B of A, Procter and Gamble, Hendricks Gin, with hundreds of thousands of dollars invested in uh, incredible uh, marketing elements to attract attention. So why are they shifting these massive dollars into experiential events? Well, it's because attendance is up and poker faces are down. People are more amenable to brand pitches on the weekends. Also, experiential events. Experiential events are the perfect vehicle during the intro and growth stages of your product life cycle where trial and sampling are imperative to your brand's success. These pictures here, that's the Hendrix Gin uh, display at a special event, and that is the Cigar City uh, special event kind of sampling touring vehicle, which I thought was really cool. My buddy and I saw that when we were out in Cigar City, fabulous brewery. So let's keep going. Um, another important point about within this experiential event is ambassador training. So either your employees or you might have some hired people on the weekends, wholesaler people, whomever, they'll be out sampling and, and you know, serving your product. But you've got to make certain that these people are trained. You want them to spread your marketing story gospel. Now, you've seen your managers that are watching. You need to get out there, too, because these special events, well, they're giant outdoor focus groups that provide you with instant feedback. You want to listen to and interact with your target market, like these photos show. So, in order to stand out at these special events, which before COVID were really more and more popular, there was you know, multiple uh, events happening each weekend. But how do you stand out? You know, uh, why not try to come up with a booth KDA? Rather than maybe reserve a 10 by 10, consider reserving a 10 by 20. You also want to situate your booth away from the big band stages. You want to be able to hear those target market, the target audience comments and the feedback you get. My recommendation is include what I call a McQueen cool brand stand asset. Play some funky music. You know, try to bring your brand to life. I call that uh, try to 3Dify it. And if you do, your booth will be the busiest at the event. You might consider buying a, a vintage beer truck or use a muscle car. Hot cars are consumer tractor beams that uh, resulting in exponential selfie taking and brand trial. These are the two of our GT500s that we take to a, a lot of the craft beer events to help brands um, gain awareness. But uh, you also, if you have something like this or you have vintage beer truck, you want to make certain that with all this selfie taking going on and social media spreading, you want to have a brand, uh, you know, something branded behind them, a point of sale piece or a large banner that, that so people see your brand. Um, at one event, and we didn't have an option to get a, bring in cars uh, or uh, a vintage beer truck, but a buddy and I, uh, we went out and we worked for this the cider company in Reno at the Blues Brews and Brews Blues and Booze uh, 
barbecue festival. Sorry, I'm not getting it quite right. But anyway, so uh, rather than we had a 10 by 20 uh, booth, so we had this extra space. So we we set up a hula hoop contest and we you know, rated them eight, nine, 10. And the winners won wearables for the brand. And we, we played funk music so that they could do this. And I tell you, our lines were four times longer than any other booth's lines. And if you've been to that event, it's it's massive. So little creativity. Anyhow, let's keep going. So uh, as far as as far as uh, the, on the experiential events, you want to engage, entice, and invite customers into your booth for interaction. Also, alert account buyers and, and the wholesaler staff prior to going into these events. Be ready too, because you will never know who's going to pass by. Back to that poker face down. Well, I have had many buyers come by, and uh, I invite them into the booth. We sit down. We have a couple extra samples, and uh, I've received chain uh, presentations. You know, meetings set up. I've even had some authorizations at events like this. So be prepared. Also, be ready for the media. You never know who's going to stop by. Here's an example. This photo here of me with the two Shelbys and um, working, helping a, a small craft beer brand in Northern California. And boom, TV shows up. So I go right into the marketing story talking about how that company started and their great brands. I think now more than ever, people want to be part of a fun brand. Be that brand. All right, let's go to the second pillar. That is merchandising and wholesaler trends. So I'm sure you've noticed some of this, but the distributor universe continues to shrink into a handful of what I call Godzillion distributors. Uh, while the merchandiser who works at these distributors has evolved into one of the most valuable positions in this model. These mega distributors are stripping their sales ranks in favor of building merchandiser armies, including tiers that a merchandiser can aspire to, like uh, merchandiser level one, level two with higher rates of pay. This also helps to retain this critical labor and reduce turnover. These huge multi-state distributors are also shedding small to medium brands in favor of blue chip national brands. So how do you sell more of your product? Well, start by showing appreciation for the merchandiser in this thankless, overlooked position. Maybe consider evaluate merchandiser incentives. Buy them a deli sandwich. Ask them for intel. Remember, people lump for people and brands they like. Just because you're in the store does not mean you're on the shelf. Maybe that deli sandwich gets you another case in the cooler. Multiply that by how many stores that merch goes into in a week. So merchandising, it's a battle. The stakes could not be higher now. And especially in the off-premise. And real estate is finite particularly in the fourth quarter. So how do you win? Well, you better already have or definitely start building close relationships with that chain wholesaler manager. 
his or her merchandisers, the supermarket DMs, and down at store level, you want to have relationships with the store director and the liquor managers. This is what the huge distributors are doing today, right now, as I speak. You might want to hire your own merch team, even if they're part-time. These people just might be your future sales reps, and they will get that product from the back of the store to the shelf. Take back some control. Also, don't be afraid to get out on holidays to lump some cases with those people, the merchandisers. Let's talk about merchandising creativity. So uh, this is these are all this is this is reality is something I did a few years back. And one of the largest supermarket chains was really on this theme to to feature and promote local companies. So I came up with this idea that I called Drink California. And I had my graphics design team make uh, an image of the state of California, and we've had them had them filled it with Pavlovian IPA, I call it. Results for this local craft brewer completely surpassed all of my goals. So as you can see, this is the banner that was made and put into the supermarket trade. It's a three by six. You can see the state, which gets you uh, thirsty right now and gives some great uh, rate beer ratings, very high for Drake's. Uh, fantastic beer out here if you get a chance to, to come out in Northern California. Then we made our own little cool logo, the Drink California with the bear. So let's take a look at applications. So getting out into the market. Yeah, um, hopefully you can see this okay. But the, the example on the left, well, yeah, Mark, it's not exactly stellar, is it? But it is incremental. And one of the neat things about this is the banner up top. Now, this particular chain doesn't, doesn't normally even allow you to put banners in it. So um, I got the approval on that. But that particular banner is two-sided. And the windows, that the entryway, probably... 75% of people enter through that side of the store. So as soon as they come in, bam, they see that craft beer banner and it really helped increase sales to sell more beer. So on the right is uh, an example of what I thought we were gonna get one or two shelves when I, I did this and bam, we got almost the entire end cap and I got a chance to have the three by six banner put up just to show a little love, I included the merchandiser who did a great job uh, there in the photo. And if you can believe it, I've been calling on this chain over 20 years and a store director volunteered to get into the photo. That doesn't happen. So the other little piece in there, if you can possibly see it, is that we've got the marketing story in all the displays. So really, really great sales results as a result of selling more beer uh, through merchandising creativity. So let's get on to the final um, final piece, uh, piece here is motivation and final pillar. Um, and I want to give you a definition first. And this is from a lady named Kendra Cherry. She works for Very Well Mind. She's a behavioral psychologist and it's dated April 27th, 2020. So motivation involves the biological, emotional, social, and cognitive forces that activate behavior. The term motivation is frequently used to describe why a person does something. It is the driving force behind human actions. So I've experimented with nearly 200 monthly sales plans over the past 18 or more years. Many of these sales plans are over 20 pages in length, true bicep builders. 
And why are they so long? Because so many suppliers want to be in the sales plan. My findings revealed common denominators that consistently resulted in goal attainment or goal shattering. An incentive is competing for share of selling mind. How much share do you want? So in my opinion, incentives should motivate and to get to, to develop a, a motivating incentive, you want to foster a mindset for yourself and the audience. So I, I, I borrow a, a term from Oakland-based funk band Tower of Power, awesome band, T.O.P. And they have a song that I love. It's called You've Got to Funkifies. You've got to hear that. If you don't have it, you've got to get it. Anyways, um, so I, I take that term funkifies and I, I cut it in half. And I say, you've got to funkifies. And to funkifies means to, in my definition, is to build creative target audience specific strategic incentives. This will get the sales team's attention to sell more beer. So I believe in zigging versus zagging, zig versus zag. Let's, let's go back to that sales plan I talked about a couple slides back, the 20-page plan. If you were to boil through all the off-premise supplier payouts, put them all into one, what do you think that, that dollar value would be? Well, 99% of the time, it's $5 per placement. Woo! Anyhow, so on your incentives, I recommend that you try to brand your incentives for future use and ease of comprehension. For example, you sunk my battleship too, or Bigfoot returns. Always recycle successful incentives, but don't duplicate them. You've got to do a couple of twists to keep people, you know, curious and motivated. But when you recycle an incentive, you, you bring it back, Bigfoot returns, the salesperson says, oh yeah, I remember that incentive. Yeah, it works boom, 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 boom. And I made, you know, X dollars. And yeah, I know how, you know, I can do that. Okay, so let's take a look at a few very successful incentives that I've run over the course of the years that I've been in the beer biz. So the following, um, Okay, time out. Okay, sorry, I'm running two computers at once. The following clutter-busting concepts worked to activate and bias human behavior. The goal was to motivate a large, street-smart, major metro on-and-off-premise sales team totaling about 70 people. Now, since grad school, I have had a fascination with the psychological correlation between price points and purchase behavior. So which six pack is gonna sell more? Same brand, is it gonna sell more at 10.99, 10.95, or maybe $11? What if we tested these price points as incentive payouts? For example, $5.95 per new placement account. Now, if you're co-oping with your wholesaler, which I hope you are, that's only 47 and a half cents more. So let's talk about an example. So the off-premise example. Sally, the salesperson, goes into Mark's liquor store and she says, hey, Mark, how's it going? Hey, Sally, hey, um, I've got an open space for a six-pack. 
So uh, this this amber beer isn't selling anymore. And uh, go ahead and put something in there that you like. So Sally says, hmm, all right. Well, so she runs that sales plan, the current sales plan for the month in her mind. And she says, all right, brand A is paying me five bucks. Brand B is paying me five bucks. Brand C hmm, is paying me $5.95. So which brand do you think is going to go into that open real estate? 80% of the time, it would be the five ninety five. So let's take it a little further to the draft handle side, as hopefully the on-premise starts to open up soon. Um, draft handle payout, same example. Sally go, or Mark goes into Sally's Bar and Grill. Hey, Sally, how's it going? Oh, great. So Sally says, hey, you know, this, this, this uh, Hefeweizen is just a dying style, and I don't know that uh, I, want, I don't want to carry it anymore. So you go ahead and put something else on there. Okay, great. So in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, so brand A is going to pay me $150. Brand B is going to pay me $150. But brand C is going to pay $159.95. So which brand do you think is going to go on that draft handle? The $159.95, at least 80% of the time. Hey, Mark, I just want to stop you. Your slides have uh, stopped moving forward. We're still on. Uh, there we go. Okay, sorry about that. There we um, go. I'm, I'm going to fire you, myself. You were um, right. You were on a roll. I did not want to interrupt. Keep going. <laughs> all right. I hope some of you guys are still out there. So if you're still awake, wake up. Okay. So um, last point on the, the, the unique payout number is that these unique dollar levels, they stood out in the sales perks person's mind acting as an incentive KDA. And the results were, were stupendous. And I'll try to, as I said, an 80% win or so. All right, so we're going to jump into uh, another incentive. And this is, this incentive here, uh, perhaps you know the game Battleship, but the um, we would go ahead and invest in these special events. And I always believe, I strongly believe to maximize your special event sponsorship, include an incentive. So throughout the country, the Fleet Week group goes to about 12 big cities, including San Francisco, and we did this in October. So I decided to kind of tap into the, um, the mindset of the salesperson when they were, say, 10, 11, 12 years old. And that's when salespeople enjoyed playing the game Battleship. So I made one. I made this into an incentive, and I called it You Sank My Battleship. It started in September and it would end about mid-October when Fleet Week activities were over. But what they had to do was in the sales plan, there would be weekly goals, off-premise, on-premise, off-premise, on-premise. And if you achieved these weekly goals uh, by Thursday evening, let's say of the first week, then I would come in Friday morning super early. I'd run the VIP iDig reports, identify who the winners were for that Friday meeting, and then you would get a chance to shoot at, you know, take shots at the board. Now, what I've got to tell you about, you probably, a lot of you probably haven't been in wholesale or sales meetings on a Friday morning. Some of them start as early as six o'clock. Anyhow, um, they're oftentimes snooze fests and sorry to say, but, but they are. And uh, if you can try to picture being in a, a really boring meeting, which you've probably been before. And in comes this guy with this board with that's four feet by four feet. And it looks a lot nicer than what you're seeing. Uh, the actual board that I used a number of years uh, over was 
It had lovely Caribbean blue water with dolphins and octopi and whales and stuff. And it was just gorgeous. And, and that was, I had everybody's attention. So I would go ahead and I would uh, identify who the, the shooters were. And let's say one salesperson had four, had, get to, had four shots, another three, and then two more, two, and another one. Nobody got to shoot all at once. They, we, we did it in rounds. So let's say the first salesperson, he goes ahead and he calls out C2. And you probably can't see the detail, but that's blue. So that would be a miss. And I'm sitting at the the head of the meeting here and I've got my laptop and I know where all the ships are situated. So I could go ahead and say, all right, no, that's a miss. All right, uh, Sam, go ahead. You're next. Uh, instead, you make it fun. So when they missed the, the, the C2 call, I would go, you know, big, and then I would put a big splash water, like a, a shell that missed right there so that they knew that they so they wouldn't recall that number so let's say the next salesperson you rotate around the room i mean you really got their attention at this 70 major street smart salespeople you know playing battleship and let's say the next person calls out b4 now that's a that's a hit so i look and i confirm the hit and i don't say yeah hit joe next uh when they when they hit before it's I mean, you make it a big deal and you do it this week after week and the people, the salespeople, they love it. They totally look forward to this incentive. So what's cool about the, the hit on, on B4 is then you've got the crowd into it. They're saying, okay, what's the next call? So the, the next sales rep is looking around and taking, they're all telling, no, go vertical, go horizontal. Cause nobody knows, you know, which way the, the ship is, 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 you know, and so it really, they really get into it. And, so as, as the ship, let's say that's a destroyer on this particular example that you can see, it, it when it gets sunk, each salesperson gets $150, which is lucrative, even to today. So it really, really popular. And one little added thing on that is when the ship was sunk, what I did to add a little more fun to it was I named each ship after senior management people at the wholesaler. So when the the destroyer was sunk maybe you sunk the vp of sales you know the uss blah 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 and the guys and ladies I mean, they were loving it you know they'd be talking about it and then next week it's the on-premise anyway so a really really successful incentive so i'd say uh the most successful incentive that i think i've ever run has been the sam adams haunted house and i'm sorry this might be just a tad on the, the r-rated but anyways i want to keep people's uh, attention here and i, I want to ask you too is uh, what is the U.S.'s second big, biggest spending, in quotes, holiday for drinking? Well, it's Halloween. The amount of money that's spent is fantastic. So you want to develop these incentives to focus really on that target audience. And my, my wife's a, a middle school teacher, and she, she loves her, her students, and she calls them kiddos. And I love that term. So what you want to do is you want to, when you're doing these incentives, you want to tap into the inner kiddo. And these, you know, haunted houses with spooky monsters and stuff. People love it, especially the salespeople. The typical salesperson is what, 21 to, to 39 or so. And, you know, they love this stuff. So I would come in back to that boring as all heck sales meeting. And I would bring, this would be a five by five board. And I'm hoping you can see this pretty well. Full color, the graphics design team love to make these. And it would be the same kind of thing I did for the battleship. You week by week by week, you achieve certain um, goals in that week and you get to take a trip to the haunted house. Now, I set the tone. 
I close up all the, the drapes in the meeting room and I dress up. I've got a monster mask on. I play spooky music in the background on the boom box and I get a flashlight, I put it underneath my chin and, and I have the results. So I call these the guys and ladies, the winners up one by one and they get to pick one of these monsters. So what I've done is I've taken an X-Acto knife and I've cut a little door behind each of these monsters and I put a dollar value. So uh, it can go anywhere between $25 to $150. That's on top of the placement money they've already made. So it's pretty lucrative. But for you accounting types that might be watching, you're saying, whoa, Colburn, you're spending a ton of money here. The cool thing about this is you know exactly what your budget is because you've already done all the numbers on these with these monsters and they're not going to pick all the, the they're not going to get every door. So the thing about that is you've still got some money for November, December for maybe a Christmas or Thanksgiving incentive. Anyhow, so the way it works is let's say this guy, Angelo, he, he, he got uh, X number of draft handles that week. So he gets a trip, he goes up and he picks, maybe he picks the, the spooky moon that's skewering the dude right there. It's kind of cool. So he opens up the door, boom, there's $150. So I think that is my most successful incentive that I've run probably in over 15 years. So and I've got one more, uh, well, I've got, yeah, one more little cool thing to show you here. Um, what is the number one demographic that attends movies, especially premieres? And I'm a wannabe screenplay writer and I study this stuff probably too much. And it's, it's 16 to 34 year old males. Well, for our needs, we're talking 21 to 34, 39 who drink. So this thing that you're looking at now, you're probably thinking I've lost my mind. And that was part of the objective, quite frankly. Um, this was a small supplier and they didn't really have the, the dollars and they, they, get, they would get lost in that 20 page sales plan. This particular incentive, I called it the Caesar mini chimp incentive. It only ran for two weeks. And I used the premiere, this is a while back, a premiere of the movie, The Planet of the Apes, Return or whatever it was. So I want you to now think about the sales rep's job. And it's a hard job. They're on or off premise. They're trying to hit 10, 12, maybe even 15 accounts in a day. They're running and gunning. They haven't had lunch. It's two o'clock. They're worried about getting a ticket and parking. Boss calls, says, hey, I need you to make two more, two more stops. Maybe come in and do a keg delivery. I mean, this is the life of the sales rep on the wholesaler. So how do you try to sell more beer through them? Well, here's an example. Uh, what I did was use this premier as something to get their attention. And back to the two o'clock example, let's say that they're walking to account number nine and they've got their iPod or iPad and that's how they conduct their orders. And I send this one graphic out on their iPad at 2 p.m. as they're going in before they're getting in, into their account. And they see this and it says, coming soon, Sassy versus Caesar mini chimp incentive. And they stop in their tracks and say, what the? F and they see the, the chimp and then they see Sassy. So Sassy, uh, nickname for Sasquatch, I've used him. I've recycled him in other incentives for this small supplier. So they know Sasquatch has got some money coming or something's going to be kind of cool. But then they look at it and they say, oh, it's from Colburn. Yeah. Okay. So then they go about their business. Now I wait, I wait another week. So I didn't tell you when I, I dropped this. I dropped this about two weeks before, let's say July 1st, before the incentive plays. So now we wait, we wait till the last week of June. 
before this starts. And I send this into their iPods at, uh, at you know, three o'clock or whatever. And they're, they're still running and gunning. And it says, nearly here. And I got to ask you, has anybody ever asked you this? Are you a banana or a jerky beef? Well, so they're looking at that and they're saying, holy smokes. But I've got their attention and I've got their curiosity. The brand is in their head all by themselves all by itself. And, and there they are, they, you know, looking at the, the, they know they've seen that movie trailer and then they know who Sassy is. So July 1st rolls around, bam, here's the incentive. I present that in the Friday sales meeting and it's only a two week, got to get going kind of incentive, Sassy versus Caesar mini chimp incentive. And that first week at a, at a big wholesaler is oftentimes kind of a lag period where, where the rep kind of relaxes a little bit from the prior month's end. So there's opportunity there for a smaller brand to get some sales. So what, what this incentive did was it paid out for placements and displays and draft placements, but it also, you accumulated bananas. So when you got to a certain threshold of bananas, you as a winner, got to go to the premier with the sales rep. So what was really neat about that is the sales rep got to further the relationship with, say, four or five sales reps. And before the movie, they went into an on-premise account where they had just secured a draft handle. So that's watering the seed at this new account. You're drinking some beers with your sales wholesalers, and then you go see a cool movie. It was really, really a success, and it didn't cost much at all. So uh, one of the last things I want to talk about is uh, the power of peer recognition. Uh, I, I strongly recommend that you try to publicly recognize sales associates, be they your team or wholesaler team, who have done something big or outstanding for your brand. I, I think that there just are not enough attaboys out there. And I want to give you an example of one that uh, I, I took advantage of. And uh, it, it includes Jim Cook, one of the greatest guys in the craft beer biz. And I've been really fortunate to get to, to meet him and know him a little bit. So he was coming out to the Fairmont Hotel in San Francisco for a big conference. And I asked his team if I could get 10, 15 minutes of his time to videotape him in between during a break. So it, I was granted that. And what I did is I sat down with Jim and I told him about significant performers who had achieved great things in the first quarter of whatever year it was. And I, I prompted him. I had these, these signs I made and I said, you know, uh, Bill Smith uh, achieved you know, four new draft accounts for uh, the, the new seasonal for Sam Adams. And then that would be on and off premise, you know, great, great results. So Jim went ahead, did the marketing story and talked a little bit about some of the brands coming out. And then boom, we went right into, uh, he would read the, the script that I had for him. And Jim knows San Francisco anyway. So he would say, nice job, Sarah, for getting into uh, Jack's cannery. God, I know Bill over there. He's a bear. And, and he would add his Jimisms. And oh my God, it was just fantastic. So this only was about a 12 minute video. And I didn't have to edit it. Went back in on the boring Friday sales meeting. And we have an 80 inch monitor at the place I used to work at. I plugged Jim Cook in and boom, he's talking to these, these pro salespeople, 70 of them, and he's calling out. Jim Cook is calling out four or five people in the audience. 
can you even imagine the reaction from the people that got called out? They were walking on ale. I mean, for two weeks, you couldn't, you know, these people are just, yeah, rock stars. So, and what did this cost? It cost nothing. And you can do this. This will help you sell more beer. You can you can have a video made at your brewery, your tap room, wherever. You can get data from your brand manager, from your sales director, and uh, or if you've got your own VIP iDig information and identify top sellers, then you send that. If if you can't make it in person, then you send the video, you can email it, and then have maybe the GM or whoever at the wholesaler they can show up in their Friday sales meeting. No cost, great way to, to really recognize star performers. Alrighty. So last couple of things, the uh, opportunities here to sell more beer that I see as uh, kind of hidden gems. And that is the sales meeting. I've been hitting that Friday sales meeting. Fabulous motivational opportunity. Now, I've, I, I did the math and I figure I've sat in probably over 800 sales meetings. And if I had to grade all of the suppliers that I've seen, I'd give them a cumulative C minus, not very impressive. So key points here to motivate, to get people to sell more of your product. Be prepared, do your homework, put in the effort. And for you senior people, if you haven't seen your people, if you haven't witnessed some of the presentations that your team's making, you need to do that. You know, have them put in the effort, rehearse, bring cold samples and coffee, impart your passion, your tenacity, share your marketing plan, your story and your KDA at the troop sales team level. And I want to tell you a really important story uh, about what I, uh, I did uh, a few years back. I was hired to turn things around uh, for the Earth Grains Baking Company at Safeway Corporate. And at the time, Earth Grains was the number three player in the United States. They had been kicked out of all meetings at Safeway Corporate. They were not allowed to make any uh, new product presentations. They had been taken off the corporate reset team, which I think some of you know how valuable that is. And more than just in the, the penalty box, basically just you're out. And market share was bleeding everywhere. So I came in and I had to do a lot of research to find it. It took me probably I don't know, four months just to find out what was going on. And uh, I, I found out a lot of things, but I also realized that I needed to talk to the distribution side of this company. And uh, the distribution side in the bread business is run by route people who own the routes, oftentimes um, for, for generations. And these people, they're the lifeblood of, of the beer, or excuse me, sorry, the, the bread industry. And um, so I went out and I started riding with these people. And boy, they get up early. But anyhow, I learned a great deal from these people uh, in riding. And they had about eight different barns uh, in Northern California. And I rode with a bunch of different seasoned drivers and taking notes. So I developed a grand plan. And I presented that to Earth Grain Senior Management. And then I did some pretty risky crazy things to get Safeway's attention. You can read about that in my, uh, my book, but, and they are true. Uh, I, uh, I, I was able to get their, uh, their uh, attention also. 
and um, things started to, to look a little bit better. But I realized that there was an important element that I had to include, and that was the distribution side. So I went out to these eight different barns, 4.30 in the morning, uh, suited up, and I gave them an edited version of my PowerPoint plan, maybe 15 minutes, and did a little Q&A, presented that to them. And I tell you, so many of these drivers with years and years of experience, they came up to me and said, Mark, thank you so much. No one from the company has ever included us in the plan. We've never known what, what we were doing or why we were doing it. So thank you for including us. I mean, it's really human nature. And I got to say that the results per IRI we doubled market share in 18 months. So as far as these sales meetings go, if you're deadpan and you can't get excited about your brand, then the sales force will not get excited either. If you're not a good presenter or if you don't have a good presenter, get someone in there that is. Enthusiasm, excitement, and funkization input are proportional to the result. All right, just about there. I hope you're still with me. Um, sorry about that. Uh, well, who did this presentation? Okay, so uh, annual business plan meetings. They should be taking place now. Uh, there, you, you wanna rehearse and create the most exciting ABP presentation that you've ever made. That should be your goal right now. Now, wholesalers, your distributor wholesalers, they probably, they could sit through 60 or more of these a year in the months of November and December. I've been in, in some of these meetings, they go as long as three hours. Talk about boring snooze fests. Oh my God, it's the perfect opportunity to zig versus zag. A great ABP is supported by a strong October Halloween incentive. That gives you brand momentum going into November, December. It also, in your ABP meeting, it's going to be top of mind with senior management who you're talking to. That paves the way for your January and 2021 asks. People sell for people and brands that they like. Be that brand. All right, now we're going to look into Mark's crystal keg. It's kind of cool, huh? All right, um, experiential events and wet demo sampling. Uh, I just got a, a, an email from the Whole Foods people, and it looks like they're going to start allowing uh, sampling, for example. So uh, I think that people are going to want to break out of home jail once we get through this COVID thing. Um, with a severe, I mean, everybody's got a severe case of cabin fever. So I say for next year, place your marketing spend, your marketing mix budget into experiential events in events and supermarket samplings. Gas down on that option. There's going to be significant growth in the non-alcoholic sector. Wine, beer, cider, spirits. Also watch for genetically modified ingredients for alcoholic brands. A lot of craft beers are already doing that and saving money, adding consistency to their products. CBD drinks are hitting the market big time, especially this coming summer. Gluten-free and organic, well, they are legit segments. And I hope for the return of the small specialist distributor. 
the October Halloween time, we've, yeah, I've hit that pretty hard, is huge for so many reasons. Reevaluate this creative selling opportunity in next year's budget. Have your beer tenders approach every customer who enters your tap room with your marketing story, KDA, and a couple of salient facts about uh, the beer that they're serving, some beer education. Your sales will increase 10 to 15%. And your 2020 Christmas present from Mark, pursue the gearhead, me. The gearhead at cl car club level, the gearhead, I don't have a number for you, but it's way over, it's in the millions in the United States, in the UK, petrol heads. Um, this is a huge number of people. Gearheads are coveted as influencers. I have done this and people in car clubs, they would love to hear you or your sales rep come in and make a presentation at their monthly meeting. Some of those can be pretty, pretty boring. So I've done this and I've given away a case of beer, craft beer for their, um, at the end of the meeting, they have a, a raffle or auction or something like that. And they absolutely love that. Now, as far as the Christmas present goes, where do these people typically hold their their monthly meetings no they're not in the garage they do it they do it at pizza parlors and do pizza parlors sell beer heck yeah they've got draft handles so you go in and you get some relationships going with these these gearhead car clubs and then you go and talk to the owner of the pizza parlor and say hey uh we're the unofficial beer or beverage or whatever of of the uh, you know the mustang club and I've done this and you ask for a draft handle, boom, you'll get it. Maybe not every time, but you know, maybe a six pack placement or a bomber placement doesn't hurt to try. But uh, the other thing is once you get in with some of these car clubs, you can have your sales rep make these presentations. Once he or she gets in with them a bit, you, you can then say, hey, would you like to have a monthly meeting at our brewery? Then you've got a captive audience buying your beer, buying your wearables, and you can tell them all about your marketing story, your KDA. Plus, you can get involved with these people, and maybe you get buddies with the president of the club, and he or she, maybe he's got a um, you know, 67 Shelby GT500 with a 427 in it, and you say, hey, would you mind uh, if you came by our 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 booth and we, you, you could be next to our booth and that's back to that tractor beam thing and getting more audience selfie taking and sampling. Heck, I got a guy with a 427 AC Cobra to come to a craft beer show for a six pack. So the gearhead is your Christmas present and the gearhead is an untapped opportunity to sell more beer. All righty. So for the tourism, uh oh, for the tourism improvement districts and chambers of commerce that have sat through this long presentation, thanks for doing that. And I've got something for you. I want you, and this still, beer people and whatnot still stay on because this is important for you to listen to. Um, I want the tourism improvement districts and chambers to evolve the art, wine, and beer festival to the next level. In 2021 I want you first of all to partner with other TIDs and chambers to form a regional coalition that will attract partners such as 
craft beer, cider, mead, wine, and spirits brands, consumer packaged goods and service companies, uh, such as maybe Kingsford Charcoal, a barbecue sauce company, uh, the Green Egg, Ford, who wants to promote their 2021 Mach 1, sweet car, Mustang E, Nebronco Raptor, the Gearhead Muscle Car Club, uh, maybe include a car per booth upcharge for this and have a, a car show where the gearheads can show off their cars. I spoke to a high performance wheel manufacturer who loved this idea and wanted to get involved. Also invite your Safeway, your B of A, your Wells Fargo, others, and your local art and craft and food artisans have to be there. Now, I also recommend that you develop an educational element, including brewers, judges, and university professors presenting how-to and informative seminars with Q&A on beer's roots, styles, uh, evolution, variety, and process. Include the raw ingredient suppliers, the hops, barley, yeast, and packaging, almost like a kind of a field trippy thing. Um, feature your, your funk soul blues bands, you know, to, to keep it fun, but also include the local transportation networks, the hotels, the restaurants, to create a must-attend educational and fun festival in your market. Emphasize fun, learning, and sampling. Include often on-premise retail accounts and actively get out and help sell in placements for your roadshow partners in advance of their arrival. They will love you for this. Use motivational marketing to show the consumer packaged goods and service companies that your experiential event will get them access and sampling exposure to their coveted target market. Exploit that dollar shift I talked about earlier. So, as I think about this presentation, and I've made a bunch in my career, I think back and I say, huh, should I just go ahead and do the recap like you're supposed to, you know, your, your, uh, your speech professors tell you to, okay, now go ahead and recap after what you just said, or, or not. And I thought, I don't want to do that. And, and I thought, I want to try to give you something. I mean, I don't even know if this has been all that valuable to you because I can't be you. I can't sit on the other side of this. So I ran the tapes in my mind and I thought, okay, what, what have I seen over the past almost 30 years that really, you know, really made a difference in, in my career and, and in, in increasing sales? So here I go. The Holy Grail is... Creativity. Creativity is the difference between success and failure. Creativity in packaging and your logo. In experiential event selection, preparation, execution, and deployment of brand standing assets. In the marketing story copy. In your tap room and handles your merchandiser influence strategy, your wearables, your point of sale, your social media, ambassador training and sampling, in your incentive writing and its effect 
on Salesforce behavior and in your sales and ABP meetings. Three, deify your brand. Bring it to life. Creativity will help you sell more beer. Remember, funkifies. All right. So if you're needing uh, any help with marketing, events, distribution, and or sales, contact me at shinerunner at comcast.net or we can chat. Also have a that was Tower of Power. Uh, also have a, a, a website you can check out to learn a little more about me. Uh, I suggest you listen into my podcast. I've got about 26 shows, Shine Runner Show on Apple and or the Brewing Network. Or oh, I wouldn't mind if you uh, might want to buy my book. And uh, that's available on Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. Or if you'd like a autographed copy, uh, contact me and I can, these are $20. I'll sign, sign it any, any way you like and we can figure out the shipping to wherever you're at. And then uh, you can check me out on LinkedIn. Um, so I'd like to thank you. Uh, thank, thank you to the NBWA, the Selmore Beer Virtual Summit team, Sarah at Zephyr Conferences. She's been awesome. And to you for watching. May you and your family have a happy Thanksgiving, everybody. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Mark. I love the ending and you have a perfect podcast voice. <laughs> so we do have uh, two questions here that came in. So we'll go All through right. those quickly. It appears virtual events will be crucial short term. What types of virtual events do you think have the largest payback? Tastings, games, happy hours, etc. Long term, what kinds of virtual events do you think will be helpful post COVID? Ooh, that is a toughie. Um, yeah, it's really difficult to do the sampling thing. And I, I've seen uh, some wineries, for example, are uh, getting consumers to buy a certain number of wines, and then they're having the the um, you know the the peep, the experts go ahead and go through each of these wines. I think that uh, hopefully we'll get through this COVID thing in 2021. And uh, as far as if I was uh, doing virtual sampling, then I, I might get my, my brewmaster on and try to work with maybe uh, retailers or delivery companies to, to focus in on a certain number of, of beers and then hold a, like we've held a, a three o'clock session today, maybe have someone that's good at, at presenting and, and enthusiastic and go through the beers, the styles, the marketing story behind the, the brewery and do that as much as you possibly can. Don't know how successful that's going to be, but if I was the marketing person for you know, some of these breweries, that would be one of the avenues I would certainly be investigating right now because the, the wet demos are going to probably be a while. The, the, the large, great events that I talked about, unfortunately, yeah, it's, who knows, it's, it's probably going to be a while. So uh, I don't know that that was a great answer to the question, but I hope I'd answered it partially. Well, yeah, I definitely think so. And I, the next question um, is from Peter, the supply chain director of Three Monkeys Beer in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Wow, and, cheers, yeah. Peter. Thanks for uh, going to have a little cold one here, a little palmia. Yeah. Um, cheers. 
And uh, he says, as the social isolation situation continues, uh, how do we create an environment that stimulates the experiences and good memories we associate to some brands? And any suggestions on how to stand out in such a different world and give an exciting experience to their home customers? You kind of touched on that, but maybe if are there ways to do in person, but social distancing, all that good stuff. Home customers, meaning consumers or wholesalers? I think consumers, if he's the brewer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. Um, I would try to, uh, out here, what uh, we're allowed to do, uh, thank you for your question. That's a great one. Uh, thanks for listening from Brazil. Who knows what time that is? Um, but as far as uh, what I've seen out here, some of the uh, Hess Brewing, for example, they do a great job here in Walnut Creek, California. And uh, they, they, uh, you know, they're 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 staying open and they're staying they're meeting all the criteria as far as what state of california requires and they're still getting great business people are staying six feet away they uh unfortunately aren't allowed to give samples but they are selling a, still a great deal of draft beer for example because people just really want to get out and, and get some draft beer so um again i'm not so sure that that answered that question but that without sampling and such it, it is really difficult so i, I would I would invest in uh, social media, which you probably know more about than I do, but uh, that would be something to do. And then uh, if you can legally uh, inform consumers where your brand is available in this US, it's it, it, there's a lot of laws that you can't specify accounts, but maybe in Brazil, you can do that. And maybe you feature through social media that uh, you've got your new uh, IPA available at XYZ supermarket or wherever. Um, that might be, a, I think those are reasonable uh, marketing mix options under the, you know, this, this, this challenging time that we're in. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mark. And thanks for the appreciation in your last slide there. It was wonderful to work with you and all the speakers. And uh, hopefully when we can meet in person in September of 2021, we would see your face there. Thanks very much, Sarah. It's been a lot of fun. I hope everyone has a super Happy Thanksgiving and please stay safe. Yes, yes, thank you. So if uh, just my last final spiel here, um, as you saw, you just got an email with a survey about uh, all the sessions. Please let us know how we did, what we can do better, and how we can apply that to hopefully an in-person conference next year. And the All Access Pass. If you'd like to rewatch this session or any of the previous sessions, you can purchase the pass. I will put the link in the chat. And um, that's just 50 bucks and it's for sale on our website. So thank you so much for tuning in the last two days. If you've been with me the last six days, I uh, can I'm sure you're sick of seeing my mug. So uh, thank you so much, everyone. And uh, have a good rest of your Tuesday.